everyone. This is Gloria, the host of the Love in the Work We Do podcast. And today I have with me Crystal Speed. She is an HR, hi Crystal, HR um, strategist. She is a minister. She's a writer. Um, most importantly, um, she is someone who can connect you to, to anything that you want to do um, regarding your business. She um, works with processes and systems, and she has um, all her certifications in um, the human resources field. Today, Crystal is here because we both have in common a death of a loved one, and we are going to talk about grief. She lost her mother in 2005, mm -hmm. and... Um, you know, we're just going to explore her story and at the end of the day, leave you with, you know, some information that will make your life better too. So if this sounds like something you would love to be a part of, come on in, pull up a chair and let us learn together. Welcome, Crystal. Hello, thank you for having me, Gloria. It's great to be able to chat with you for a little bit. Yes, yes, same here. Likewise, likewise. One thing I've learned to also do, even though I give that introduction that I give, I would really love for people to hear from your mouth exactly what you do. Okay, sure, no problem. So I am a strategist. And so I help leaders build and implement um, both process and systems and strategy around their people, their operations, and then programming and online events. So um, I just love helping and I'm a teacher um, by nature. I, I started my career as a teacher, but um, the area that I love the most in what I do is HR helping people attract, keep, and grow the right people that they need in their business so that their business can grow and that they can um, just serve the people that they're meant to serve through their business. So that's what I do. You also mentioned, um, you know, I am a minister. So um, you can find me from time to time, either online, sharing a message of hope. And usually it's just something that God has taught me <laughs> through some hard lessons and that I can share with others. And I also blog about it from time to time as well. And then I do other things, but that's me in a nutshell. Amazing. I love that. Um, that part about, you know, what the Lord has you do, which is to give encouragement to everybody um, out there. So that's awesome. Now I have this question. How did you go from education into human resources. Did you at one point know that you wanted to become a human resources person, maybe as a child and then you forgot and went towards the education line or did you stumble upon it? Did someone say, oh, did someone call it out of you? Did someone notice that you were actually good there and was like, go towards this path? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, um, that's an excellent question, actually. But um, so I went to college and got my undergrad and master's in education. All I ever wanted to do was be a teacher. I didn't want to be a principal. I didn't want to do anything else, maybe develop curriculum. But I just knew I wanted to be a teacher my entire professional career. Five years in, my father, who he and my mom started an IT company when I was eight, nine or 10 years old, um, 
he's like, hey, Crystal, we need some help with recruitment. Can you consult? And I had been doing like volunteer recruitment with my alumni chapter, had developed our like college recruitment program. And he's like, just come do that for me. So my dad really called it out. And then my middle sister, because I was hesitant, my middle sister's like, oh, you could do this. You like, she's like, it doesn't matter that you don't have the professional like experience. You can do this. So I started as a consultant. I had a really rough year teaching. And so I said, I'm just going to work with my dad for the summer. And he's like, hey, I got an HR job for you. And he's like, but you need to make sure that you get certified and you get all of the training that you need. So that's how I um, got into HR. And then from there, I just absolutely loved it and saw how it really connected with my passion for, you know, people as well as the training component. And so it was natural, but something I didn't even know. My dad and my sister helped call it out of me and I just that was the first of many times where I saw God had already prepared that path mm. for me and it was, it was just an invitation to step into it yes yeah. yes yes that's amazing isn't that just beautiful like for you know taking it back into the <laughs> ministerial world for a minute that <laughs> even our earthly father would call something out of us um and you know just the same way that our heavenly father would mm-hmm. he would it wouldn't have happened if we didn't have a relationship with either of them. So I love that. Like we actually have to be a relationship first before mm-hmm. people can um, talk to us and call out things from us. So thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So I would love for you to share the story of mother, um, you know, she, she died from cancer. Um, can you just share, share, start where you can and, and explain how that journey began? Sure, no problem. So my mom, Nancy C. Speed, um, she passed away in 2005. And she passed away after a 10 year battle with cancer, um, breast cancer. And so the fourth time, the cancer came back, it had spread to her brain, her liver, her bones, and her kidneys. And so what happened, I was 25 at the time, I was living at home, I'm the youngest, so I was the last one to leave their house, (laughs) but I was living at home, I was a teacher, we had just gotten on summer break. And so I just took my mom to a routine appointment. We just thought that, you know, the doctor would be like, you're good, whatever. And he sat us down and said, your cancer has come back and, you know, mentioned all the places. And I mean, I was basically numb. I think my mom was numb. I, we went back home. She went to bed or at least to her room. And I, I took a nap and my dad called and he's like, you know, he was just checking in really. (laughs) Like he didn't think anything was wrong. I'm like, dad, you got to talk to her Mm -hmm. because it wasn't a good report. And um, it's interesting because, you know, our mom was strong and she was our rock and like, she was the center of the family. And so we're like, oh, she'll bounce back. She'll, you know, this is going to be hard, but she's conquered other hard things. So we'll just support her in that. And I was actually about to move out of the house at the time. And so it was really difficult, but you know, as we were moving into her, she had to get surgeries um, first on her brain to remove the cancer. And as we were moving to that surgery date, she said, you know, Crystal, I know you wanna move out and like start your life, but I really need you to stay home. And I'm like, sure, <laughs> you know, like 
sure. But it took a lot of her to ask that. I'm like, sure, I'll stay home and help. Um, and it's interesting because from the time my mom was diagnosed to the time that she passed away, it was only a month. And um, so she was preparing to go into the hospital and it was, my mom was always like very particular about things. And she's like, we need to get the house painted. And so we got the house painted before she went into the hospital. And like, I remember the night before she's like, you guys need to hang all these pictures back up. And she was very particular about that. She was very particular about how she left the house. And I remember we were packing for the hospital. I'm like, how long will you be gone? She's like seven days. And I'm like, that's a long time. Yeah. Like I'm like seven days in the hospital, not knowing she would never come home. Um, many, many things happened in those seven days. Um, the, the most incredible thing is when we realized that she was not going to get better. And I, the only way I realized it was the doctor came in on a when she went to the hospital on a Friday, the next week on a Wednesday, the doctor's like, well, obviously this is terminal. And I looked at my aunt who was there and I'm like, did you know? I mean, everybody kind of knew, but nobody had really said that, right? And so it just like changed everything. And then I asked my dad, I'm like, did you know? And you weren't telling us? And he's like, no, I always thought she was going to get better. And at that moment, we like transitioned into like, what does it mean for her to slowly leave this world? And my dad mm. really took on um, the posture of not a father, not a husband who was grieving, but as like a spiritual director or coach of sorts, where he's like, he really helped guide us and prepare us. He, he, he's an ordained minister and had done chaplaincy work already. Mm. And so um, even though he wasn't a chaplain at the time, but now he is. Um, and he just really helped us prepare for it. And it was, uh, um, it was an experience like no other where I felt God was definitely there in the midst. His spirit was present in every moment after that, even before, but definitely after that. And um, when my mom did pass away, it was like a beautiful experience where, I mean, very sad, but also like very um, surreal. And it opened up a lot of different things for me. And then after she passed away, um, you know, it just invited us into a new journey as a family, as sisters, because I had two of them, um, and then as an individual of what it means to lose someone, um, you know, in such a significant way. So, so um, I don't want to say so sorry to hear that, but, you know, of course, um, whenever you hear the story of grief, it, it just touches that vulnerable spot in us. I'll say, you know, I, I feel you, I'm, I'm here with you. Some things that I picked up when you were talking that I wonder if you can share on was that you said your dad took on the role of a spiritual father, like a spiritual coach or counselor. Like, can you share like one or two things that you remember that made you think that wow he left his role he took off his hat the dad hat and put on his you know spiritual coach hat and like what were the things one or two things he did mm -hmm. well one thing um was he was very like inclusive like 
my parents actually, they grew up together. Um, they weren't college, uh, high school sweethearts. They hated each other, but they grew up together in a small country town in South Carolina and then fell in love later. <laughs> but so their families were really close, right? Um, they all went to school together and knew each other. So he was very intentional about the entire time having her family involved. And when it, um, when it became clear that she was um, passing away, he said, you know, like, I want all her brothers and sisters here. And so we did mm. what was necessary to get people in the room. But then he was also like, you know, people that were important in different phases of their lives, he invited them in as well. And I even remember um, we had to go into a room to make a decision about, you know, do we uh, resuscitate or not? And so he invited people who weren't in the immediate family, but he's like, they were there. And he's like, would you like to join us? And it was really just a discussion. And it was interesting by the time um, we had almost gotten to a decision, they're like, she's passing, you know? And we're like, we, we've made our decision. I feel like we also felt like God made, helped us make the decision in that space. But he was really um, helpful and like, taking off all of his emotions and really mm -hmm. being like, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was one thing. And I think just the whole time he was very much like, how are you feeling about this? Mm -hmm. You know, this is what's going to happen next. This is how like organs shut down. This is, um, you know, when they call us in the room for this, this is what it means. And so he really just helped prepare us mm -hmm. for each step. And again, in a way where, you know, I'm sure he was dying on the inside, but he was able to, um, you know, kind of like whether it was healthy or not, you know, he had to deal with his grief later, mm -hmm. but he mm -hmm. was able to say, you know what, I want to be able to help guide them through this because it could be a lot harder than what it was. And he doesn't have medical background, but he understood what the process was from working in hospitals, um, you know, as part of his chaplaincy residency. And it was really helpful to be able to have that experience. So that's how I kind of saw him show up at that oh time. Oh my God. Yeah, that was amazing. Just you just mentioning the things he did. I was like, oh, okay, that's something you should do. Your dad had the difficult conversations with you all during the grief like that's an amazing father if I can say so myself <laughs> so thank you thank you for sharing that um I, I believe those are really two valuable information for um anyone listening so I'm going to go on to another question um so I, I know for me at this point in my life and definitely going into the future talking about grief and sharing how you know the same like how your dad helped people would be something that I would do um I love how you said that your dad brought people that they knew you know who were not necessarily the traditional stakeholders into the room to be part of the decision making that's amazing. Like, I don't even know what to say, but one thing I want to draw and refer to from my memory is re, um, I think there's a pastor, Pastor Darius Daniels, <clears throat> probably before COVID, I'd been listening to one of his sermons um, and 
I remember he would say like for everyone making decisions, like just generally you need to have like three people that you bounce things off of. Like Mm -hmm. you can't be making decisions by yourself. You know, your pastor is there, your parents are there. And then maybe a third person who could be anyone also be a therapist, you know, Mm -hmm. but I feel like that's what your dad did. Um, you, we can't make decisions in isolation. Um, and like the Bible says, you know, when we, um, in, in the counsel of many, you know, to make decisions. But anyway, just reaffirming that what dad did was really, really good. Okay. Now, if we go in deeper, um, I remember we had the conversation about the grief, um, the support you had, um, apart from dad. Um, I know I was really amazed to find out there was something like a grief camp. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, share with me like how, you know, the grief camp helped you. And maybe along the line, we can also dig into you know, what the bereavement ministry, not necessarily the one in your church or, or you know, that, that supported you, but what we could lead from there, what that was and, um, and how that can help generally during grief. Thanks. Sure. No problem. So, um, you know, just to kind of provide context, um, my, I have a really good friend, her name is Christina. Um, and so she lived in the DC area and she called me one night and that it was the worst night (laughs) and, but she called at just the right time. And we were able to process a little bit. And she's like, Hey, Crystal, um, the organization that I work for, and it's actually called the WENT Center, W-E-N-D-T, which is in, um, DC. And it's the WENT Center for loss and healing. She said, we do a grief camp. And so it's a weekend away for kids, um, Mm -hmm. elementary through high school to help them process their own grief. And so they always partner the kids with an adult buddy and an adult buddy who has also um, experienced grief. And she said, I think this would be a good thing for you to take part in. You know, it's really for the kids, but they want people who can identify with it. And I think it'll help you too. And so I did that for two years and the camp is in Maryland. And so um, they did a little training with us ahead of time and said, and uh, the way the camp is set up is like brilliant. It's great for kids. Mm-hmm. So there's like art therapy, there is team building, there is music therapy, and then um, group therapy sessions with um, licensed therapists. There is downtime. There is even a ceremony because um, it's right on the water, you know, I mean, I don't think it's like actual Chesapeake Bay, but there's some water there, right? (laughs) And so um, we do a boat. We make a Mm -hmm. boat during one of our our activities and like, you know, the sails just represent the loved one and you decorate it. And then you, one by one, you're called up and then you just let the boat launch into the water. And it's a way of giving a healthy goodbye because many people haven't Mm -hmm. experienced it. And so, you know, you as an adult buddy have made yours as well, but you're there really to support the child. And it's interesting how each individual has their moment, but as a group, you're able to identify with, I understand, you know, 
your loss mm. and you, you feel the support and, um, just the fact that someone else gets it. And especially for kids, you know, um, who, you know, you, growing up, you probably could count one or two kids who had, you know, a loss of a family member mm-hmm. when you were growing up. It's just not something that's that common. And so this is for many people, the first time that they're in a place where other people actually get it. Um, and so it, even though I was helping another child, it helped me so very much. And then, you know, at the end of the weekend, they do process with the adults and they're very clear, like, this is a weekend. Um, We don't exchange numbers. They don't even know our last names. Um, And so you write them a letter that they can take with them, but we don't have contact with them afterwards. Um, Just so that you're not establishing unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, everybody's going back to real life and don't feel like you have to, you know, (laughs) maintain contact. So I did that for two years. Um, And again, it was just a fabulous experience. One that, I mean, you don't necessarily have to do that, but Mm -hmm. I would say one that allows you to have some structure around how you process and grieve. And then I think the community aspect is helpful from understanding may not be exactly the same, but there's someone else who gets it mm-hmm. and who's not gonna like, they may be awkward, but not awkward in the way that other people are awkward when discussing grief. So um, yeah, so that was wonderful. And I had also done, as you mentioned, the bereavement ministry at my church. And I think also the aspect of being able to be in community with a licensed professional, (laughs) but to be in community and um, being able to talk in a space where other people have dealt with something similar. Because I just think it's hard sometimes when you're talking with your friends who either haven't experienced a significant loss or just aren't really in the space where they, you know, can talk about it freely. It's just awkward. And it's also nice when the people don't really know you. <laughs> so you, mm-hmm. you, you have a little more freedom in yeah. how you talk um, without fear of judgment and all of that. Um, so I would say whatever, you know, form it might take, being able to have a space um, free of judgment where you can share and have the support of a licensed um, or trained professional because you know there are church ministries where you have gone through training you might be not you might not be licensed but you've been trained and yes. more from the spiritual side of dealing with grief but I think it's really helpful to be in those types of environments where people are there specifically to support you in your um, grief journey. I totally agree and I like what you said about it appears I should say that everyone knows that you form no attachments during this time that everyone is coming together for the purpose of grief um I love the support that (laughs) at least my church and then the the community being Nigerian provided for me um that I didn't even know I needed um, mm-hmm. like, you know, the people just rallied around and, and especially the beginning days were really difficult for me in hindsight, but I didn't even, even know it. So I see 
um, where having any type of community, be it church, um, be it, um, you know, ethnic or, or racial affiliations, um, be it people that are friends with you, you know, how they can step in and, and, and just even apply that fact that it has, like, we don't need to be friends after this, you know, you come in, you do your part, and, and, and if we end up becoming friends after, you know, that's okay. If we were friends before and maybe we're, we're no longer friends, you can still come in and, and play a part in, in that journey for, for the person who's grieving. So, so I definitely, I love the idea of the grief camp. I love the idea of the grief camp. Like you said, we need to, we should do, just talk about this on that clubhouse thingy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, grieving is so, um, it's a lot. So what other questions <laughs> do I have for you? So all right, I'm going to ask you, you're not messed up is what I should say. Oh. <laughs> you're not messed up for feeling grief. Mm -hmm. It's part of life. And that, again, the same word you just used in the prior conversation, but do it in a space where it is safe, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you could expand on your personal experience, again, on, on why that is important, why um, you're not messed up because you're grieving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, and it may be just because I'm more aware now um, after, you know, going through um, grief, loss, and healing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I feel that uh, that in some ways there, you know, it, it's a stigma or like taboo and it's hard to talk about. But the thing is, at one point, or another in life, everybody experiences grief, even mm -hmm. if it's not the loss of a loved one, you know, the loss of a job, the loss of, you know, a, a significant relationship, even if the person is still alive, we go through grief. Yes. Um, and I felt that when I first was, I mean, one, I had never really been exposed to like a significant loss and how to deal with it. Um, and so when my mom passed away, I was kind of lost, like as far as resources, nobody really told me anything. <laughs> like nobody said, oh, make sure you talk about it with someone that you um, trust. You know, maybe you want to see a therapist. The church I was attending at first, they didn't have anything for that. And, you know, friends, like especially my mom's friends, you know, they would come and check in, but it's not like they they would actually try not to talk about my mom because they didn't want to uh -huh. upset me right which is fine you know I get I get not wanting to upset people but um you know as a person who is going through it and the newness and kind of rawness of it I I would encourage the fact that um that one it's not uncommon to feel all the things to like you know be happy one minute and then bawling the next mm -hmm. or angry the next that's not uncommon and I would say fill all the feelings that come in mm -hmm. honor those feelings because it is something that you are processing through and um 
as much as, you know, you can't do this with everyone, but as much as people want to pretend like everything's all right or walk on eggshells around you, um, finding those people who, who, who are like, girl, give it to me straight. I, um, I actually had a boyfriend at the time who he was exactly what I needed at that time because I would just cry and he would just sit there <laughs> and he wouldn't try to fix it. He wouldn't try to like, you know, mm. ask me what was wrong because he knew what was wrong. Mm-hmm. And he had, he had an experience. Well, he, he might have experienced something like that because he had a, um, a, uh, adopted sister who passed away. So he, he might've understood a little bit of that, but you know, he didn't, he didn't try to fix it. He's just like, go ahead and cry. And when it's over, what do you need from me? And I thought that was really helpful. And then I had other friends who just wanted to talk about my mom, you know, cause they mm. missed her too. And so we were able to talk in that way. So I would say honoring all the feelings and then finding um, the people and don't be afraid to, to like, say, I need, I just need to talk about this. Um, so, yeah, that, well, so that's I, what I, okay. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Or, or even I wonder if I know one thing I couldn't do in some of the conversations and in hindsight um I probably should have done was people would I I still don't understand why people ask you um why people pass away or or what did they pass away from Mm -hmm. um I, I don't I wonder if it's because we are in a time of COVID that that question comes up a lot but but I had a lot of those, and at least for my dad, I would explain. Oh, you know, I still believe he got COVID, because um, um, all the symptoms pointed to that, and it was so quick. You know, it was like two weeks, bam, bam, bam. Um, and even though there were tests done, because it passed away in Nigeria, um, like they were, um, what's it called, negative. You know. Even here in the United States, people are negative and then they turn out positive. Uh-huh. Um, but I just don't know why people ask and why I had to go through the explanation every time. And in hindsight now, I just understand that I really could have chosen to say, oh, you know, that's not something I'm comfortable uh-huh. talking about right now. And, um, but, but I wasn't, this was new. <laughs> There were no rules. (laughs) And I think that's a really good point. It is new and there are no rules. And so, um, you know, I've had 15 years to like, you know, process through it. And so, you know, I don't expect everyone, you know, (laughs) to be be at that place. Um, And I think giving yourself grace in that this is new. I've never, you know, had to navigate this before. I don't know what to do. There are some people that can help and provide guidance. Not all help is good help. (laughs) You know, um, not everybody needs to speak into it or do you need to listen to it? Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, giving yourself grace, like you've never gone through this before. And um, I I found help in the oddest places, you know, and so Mm -hmm. just being open to what that might look like because I am a person of faith like you know 
it was really important for me to go to God with stuff. And mm-hmm. even um, because of the way that he talks to me, mm-hmm. um, he doesn't talk audibly, but like through other people and through nature, like mm-hmm. I, I could see how he was like responding to the hurt that I was going through mm-hmm. just through different circumstances. And so I would say, you know, just be open to where that help and that support comes from because it could come from some pretty odd, <laughs> but good places. Yes, yes. Like words in season. Um, yeah, there were a lot of those <laughs> I noticed too. I'm like, oh, that was so good. Someone <laughs> um, that I know, I think they, one of the ones that was most profound for me was someone writing um, like on my Facebook page, you're like, oh, now you have two heavenly fathers. And I was like, that is so good. Well, not two heavenly fathers, but you have two fathers Father. in heaven. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's really cool. Um, and then another one was someone just telling me something that I knew. And that's the funny thing about grieving. You forget everything. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, oh, go into your car and go for a long ride. I was like, wait. I knew that, <laughs> but during the period, it totally, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it totally went out of my mind. So, um, yes, um, words come from people and places that you don't expect, but like everything else, it comes at the right time. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Um, so tell me about this nonprofit that you started. Okay. Yeah. And so um, interesting when you're saying about people asking about how your father passed away. Um, My mom passed away from breast cancer. And so um, it actually kind of emboldened me and my sisters to support uh, breast cancer initiatives even more. Like my mom was always a supporter. Um, And we, you know, she kind of dragged us along. And, um, you know, once she passed away, um, just understood how important it was mm-hmm. to support like breast cancer research and those different initiatives. So anyways, my sister, my middle sister, I have two, my middle sister and I, we decided, I kind of dragged her into it, that we were going to do the Susan G. Komen uh, mm-hmm. three-day walk. It's 60 miles over three days. And at that time, I think we had to raise $2,000 per person. And we're like, we don't, how are we going to raise $2,000 each? So we had a fashion show okay. uh, <laughs> and it was a breast cancer awareness fashion show. We raised money and then um, we were a little shy of our goals. So we just put in the rest of the money ourselves. And from there, we started a nonprofit, um, which is actually, it's called cause and effect. Mm. Um, and it's actually pairing individuals with cause-based organizations to give them experience um, like apprenticeships so the the signature program is fashion for the cure which we haven't done in a couple years but the the last one was actually in 2012 2013 Mm. so it's been a couple years like my sister started having kids and you know (laughs) we we put that um, i know but it was an opportunity for like people who were in fashion design programs models, aspiring models, um, photographers, as well as makeup artists and stylists, we gave them internship opportunities to help run 
and like prepare and run this fashion show. And then they got college credit or in their cosmetology program, they got, you know, service hours, but it was all for credit because, um, you know, my HR background, I'm like, if you want to do this as your job, I want to give you experience. You can yeah. your resume. <laughs> and so our nonprofit is all about pairing people with causes that they're passionate about where they can use their skills in a way that supports that organization while also you know getting the experience that they need for um you know their careers okay okay that's good i like anything that we can do to help people figure out their um their future career so that's mm -hmm. good so as we wrap up i was wondering if in a brief um um sentence statement um you can share what you actually have learned um like in one like i said one sentence or statement about um about grief from from this journey i think the most important thing that i've learned is extending grace to yourself and just allowing yourself to be where you are and to move at the pace that you need to um, in order to fully grieve and heal. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. That's deep. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. And um, so what's in the work for you in the future? Can you share where people can reach you um, on social media, um, any new projects that you're w looking to work on in the future, um, or projects that you're currently working on. Just spill everything, Instagram handle, <laughs> social media handles, future projects, goals, dreams. Okay, excellent. So um, my um, website is crystalspeed.com. So because I am a multi-passionate person, like all of the things that I'm working on from ministry to speaking to the strategy work, um, my blog, all of that is there. Um, what am I working on and like excited about right now? So I'm currently um, really focusing in on the HR strategy work yeah. that I do. So helping solopreneurs make their first hire and giving okay. them a process for that, as well as um, maturing entrepreneurs, helping them continue to grow the team that they need in order to scale their business. Um, also, you know, in the future, as it relates to grief and healing, mm -hmm. um, I do, I'm a writer and I've, I've published some journals that have nothing to do with this, but I do really want to think about grief journals because um, writing has just been really helpful for me in processing all my feelings, not just with grief. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to be able to um, publish some journals. So it's really finding the time mm -hmm. <laughs> to sit down and devote and do that. But that's something that, you know, hopefully in a year or two, you can go to Amazon, you can go to Barnes and Noble, you can go to many different places and be like, oh, Crystal, I heard her on the podcast and there's yeah. her grief journals. So. Yes, I, I totally like that. <laughs> yeah, so that's, oh, that's oh, and then so on Instagram, you can find me um, at your HR strategist, or I also have another one, Crystal Speed Consulting, which is more general. I'm on Facebook, Crystal Speed. I'm Crystal L Speed. There's actually a Crystal 
S speed. That is not uh, me. We look alike and we both live in the DMV, but we're not the same person. She's like 15 years younger than me. Um, so I'm Crystal L speed um, there. So that's where okay. you can find me. Awesome. Awesome. Once again, I am grateful um, for the opportunity to do this with you. And well, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoyed all our conversation. And um, I feel like we'll, we'll come back and, um, and maybe dig into the HR aspect um, of you in a future podcast also. So yeah, Whenever um, you're ready, I'm down. <laughs> all right, I'm going to hit. Um, so thank you everyone for joining us for today's um, episode of the podcast. Um, see you another time. Bye. Thank you.